Well, turning your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're going to continue our study in the Gospel of Luke, but we're going to see an event in the early life of Christ. Last time we saw his birth, Jesus left heaven to become a human being. The purpose, of course, was to die on the cross to pay for the sins of the world. And we saw that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and there was Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the angels, and all those things came together to bring the Son of God into this world. Well, this morning there are two key events that we're going to see. First of all, we're going to see the eighth day of Jesus' life. We're going to see his circumcision, and then we're going to see the 40th day of his life. Mary comes for a purification. We'll talk about that. And they come offering the offering of Jesus. We'll talk about that. What do you mean the offering of Jesus? What are they doing? Well, as we look at Luke chapter 2, we're going to see these events, but we're also going to meet this older man. His name is Simeon, and he's waiting to see the Messiah. Well, it's powerful because we're going to get a look at a man who believed God, who obeyed God, and who worshipped God. As we look briefly at this, not only are we going to see this event, but we'll have to go back to the Old Testament. There are going to be some times, I'm just going to tell you, hold your place in Luke 2 and go back to a couple places in the Old Testament because you have to see how the law fits together. Why are some of these things happening in Luke chapter 2? And we see it when we go back to the Old Testament. As we see this portion of God's Word, we see Jesus as the light of the world, we see Him as the glory of the nation of Israel, and we see the One who brings salvation. May we see this uh, these early events in the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I think one of the one of the great joys in life is holding a baby. I mean, you've seen that, these beautiful little children, this young life created by God. You look at it and you can see the potential. You see the hope of the future. Well, this morning we're going to meet a man who has the pleasure of holding the baby Jesus. In the temple, this man named Simeon comes in and he takes Jesus into his arms and he praises God for who he is. He calls him the light of the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel. Who is this man? And how did he know about Jesus? Well, we'll see about it. This morning, it's a special event in the life of Christ. We're going to see something happen at the eighth day, and then we're going to see the fortieth day. Mary brings Jesus to the temple in obedience to the law. We'll see how that ties together, and we'll see this man named Simeon and what message that he gives. As we study God's Word this morning, I think three things uh, stand out. First of all, we're going to see in verses 22 through 24 why Mary brought Jesus to the temple. Second thing we'll see is in verses 25 through 33, Simeon's message about Jesus. He's going to say some things about Christ. And then last but not least, in 34 and 35, Simeon's message to Mary. He says something to her and talks about her. As we see this passage, uh, we're going to see some great truths. And I think one of the great truths is that Jesus is the Savior. I want you to think about this. Declared over and over in the Scripture is that Jesus Christ is the Savior. Think about it. When the angel came to Mary, he said, you're going to have a son, and he is the Savior of the world. She said, you'll call his name Emmanuel. And then later, when the angel, same angel, came to Joseph and said, you shall name him Jesus because he shall save his people from their sins. And then when the angels came to the shepherds and they said, born this day in the city of David, good news, great joy to all people, born this day in the city of David is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then in this passage, we see a man named Simeon, old man holding this baby says, this baby is the Savior. So there's a lot of great things as we study it this morning. Simeon declares the message. Now, here's something you need to think about. Every one of us in this room need a Savior. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Every one of us are destined to be separated from God. But God, in His great love for us, so loved the world, that's each one of us, that He gave His only begotten Son, gave Him to come into this world, to become a human being, to die on the cross, to pay for sin, to be buried and rise again. That whosoever would what? Believe in Him. Trust in Him. 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. I hope and pray that every one of you in this room, and as I look out and I see faces, I know a lot of you. Some of you I don't know personally. That I've, I don't know that I've ever sat down and said, let's talk. But if you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior right now, right where you're sitting, you can believe in Him as your Savior. You can say, I'm trusting Jesus. He died on the cross. He paid for my sins. He rose again. And I'm trusting in Him and Him alone to give me eternal life. And by the authority of the Scripture, you have eternal life that exact moment. We need a Savior. As we begin... Why was Mary bringing Jesus to the temple? I want you to notice two things. Look at verse 21 and 22. I'm just going to read them and we'll think about them. It says, when eight, when, uh, eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, uh, his name was then called Jesus' name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. There are a number of things in those verses. And I want you to see this. Now, Galatians 4, 4 says, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son, born of a woman, born under law. Do you realize Jesus Christ lived his entire life under the Mosaic law? That means his parents were to obey the law. That means Jesus was to obey the law. And you understand Jesus is the only person who kept the Mosaic law perfectly. That's why he's the sinless son of God. And he died in our place to pay for our sins where we didn't keep anything perfectly. Now, as we look at this, there were some aspects of the law. Let me give you three things as we look through verses 21 through 24. We're going to see Jesus' circumcision, Mary's purification, and Jesus being presented to God. How does this all fit together? Because I want you to know, in verse 21, it deals with the circumcision. In verse 22, it deals with Mary being purified, coming up there for her purification, and Jesus being presented to God. What does all this mean? Why would they do that? Well, let me teach you something that you're going to love it. Just hold your place right there. You will. Look at Luke chapter 2. Go back to Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. The third book in the Bible. Leviticus. Go to Leviticus chapter 12. I want you to see something. And if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn back there. It's a lot more fun to look at it so you can see how the Scripture says it. Now watch what we find out in Leviticus Chapter 12, we'll start with verse 1. What happened when a woman had a baby? Now you realize that under Mosaic law, when a woman had a baby, if, especially if it was a boy baby, watch what she had to do. Notice, chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, When a woman gives birth and bears a male child, then she shall be unclean for seven days. As in the days of her ministration, she shall be unclean. So the first seven days, she's going to be unclean. Then what are they going to do? On the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. As a little boy, on the eighth day, they took him and had him circumcised. Then notice. Then she shall remain in the blood of her purification for 33 days. So seven days and 33 days, 40 days. Watch. She shall not touch any consecrated thing or enter the sanctuary until the days of her purification are complete. So what would happen when a woman would have a boy baby? She would be unclean for seven days. On the eighth day, they would bring the little boy to the temple. They would circumcise the little boy, give him a name. Then they'd come back. She'd wait 33 more days and then she'd come Come back, and she was to be purified. So after 40 days of giving birth, after that, then she's purified. Now there's something else I want you. To
you to see, and we'll see it in just a minute, about Jesus being presented. But go back to Luke chapter 2 and watch what happens. This is verse 21. When the eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus. This is at his circumcision. They named him that day. And it says, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. You remember the angel came to Mary? She said, the angel said to her, you will call him Jesus. Same thing when the angel came to Joseph in a dream. It says, you shall name him Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sin. The name Jesus means Savior. Now you remember just a couple of lessons back, when John the Baptist was born, they took him up there to circumcise him and give him his name. And you remember that day, they all came up to her and said, you want to name the baby Zacharias? And she said, no, his name will be John. Well, this is what's happening to Jesus. On this day, they brought him, eight days old, to the temple to, to be circumcised and to be named. But there's more. Notice verse 22. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, notice the first part of the verse. We understand it. When the days of their purification, she had to wait till 40 days and then come back. But what does this mean at the last part of the verse when it says they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Well, let me tell you what happened. Okay, and we're going to turn back in just a minute. But you remember when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt? They were in Egypt in bondage, and God told them to get a lamb, a Passover lamb, and they kill it, and they put the blood on the door. And in the middle of the night, he's going to come through, and when he sees the blood, he will pass over that house. If he doesn't see the blood, there will be the death of the firstborn. You remember that? And that night, the Jewish people killed the lamb, put the blood on the door. The lamb of God came through. The the, uh, angel, destroying angel came through and killed all the firstborn, and they left. God didn't told them, all firstborn boys belong to me. God said, all the firstborn boys belong to me. So every firstborn son, when they were born, had to go to God. Then God made a change. A little bit later, he decided that he would choose one tribe, the Levites, and all the Levite boys would belong to him. Now watch what happens. I want to show you this. Hold your place. And go back to the book of Exodus. That's the second book of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13, this is where God says, all the boys belong to me. Actually, in this passage, it's going to say all the firstborn. But as you follow through in the passage later on, you'll see that it's all firstborn boys. Look at chapter 13. Verse 1, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, sanctify to me, the word sanctify means set apart, set apart to me every firstborn, the first offspring of every womb among the sons of Israel, both of men and man and beast, it belongs to me. Now God said, all these firstborn boys belong to me. Now, turn a few places to the book of Numbers, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. It's the fourth book. Turn over to Numbers chapter 3, and I want you to see where God made the change. Watch what he does. Okay, I hope everybody's got it. Just a few pages on in your Bibles. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers chapter 3, verse 11. Notice. Again the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Now behold, I have taken the Levites from among the sons of Israel instead of every firstborn, the first issue of the womb among the sons of Israel, so the Levites shall be mine. For all the firstborn are mine on the day that I struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. I sanctified to myself all the firstborn in Israel. Israel for man to beast, they shall be mine, I'm the Lord. 
Now, go ahead and turn back to Luke chapter 2 and let me tell you what happened. After they came out of Egypt, all firstborn sons belonged to God. Then when he picked the Levites, he said, only the Levites belong to me. But here's what he required. If you had a boy baby on the 40th day, you came up there and you presented your baby to God. But since God wants the Levites, you had to pay five shekels and you got your son back. Only the Levites belonged to God because that's where the priests came from. So Mary, on the 40th day, is not only coming up there for her purification, but they're going to bring Jesus into the temple, give him there, pay some money, offer a sacrifice, and take their baby back. That's what they're supposed to do. Notice verse 22, And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. How do we know? He explains it. Verse 23, As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. They all belong to God. They had to give him to God, pay the, pay the five shekels, and get their baby back. That's what they did. Notice verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves are two young pigeons. I want you to understand that if, you, if we were to take the time to go back to the Old Testament, when you offered that son up there and you offered a sacrifice, there were a number of things you could offer, but the cheapest thing you could offer, the least expensive thing you could offer, if you just didn't have any money, you offered two little birds. That's what they're offering. What does that tell you about Joseph and Mary? They don't have any money. They're staying down in Jerusalem. It's now the 40th day. They've been down there for over a month now. And they bring the sacrifice. And you can hear them saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Well, we'll have to give the two birds. That's all we got enough money for, okay? And they give the two birds. And they took their, their son Jesus there. He is presented to God. They pay their five shekels and their sacrifice. And they get the baby. Watch what happens. Because there's going to be a man there by the name of Simeon who just happens to be there that day. Notice verse 25. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. There's going to be three things here. Look what we see. Three things, Simeon. What is said about Simeon? We're going to see it. What does Simeon say about Jesus Christ? And then the third thing, what does Simeon say to Mary? Those three things. Let's look at the first one. What is said about Simeon? Look at verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So let's look at this. There's five things that it says about Simeon. The first one is that he's righteous. Notice, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous. What in the world is that mean? Righteous doesn't mean he lived a good life and that he was always perfect. Righteous means that he had believed in God's Savior. He had believed in the coming Messiah, and when he believed in the Messiah, God gave him righteousness. He was righteous before God. You remember the passage that says in Genesis 15:6, and Abraham believed God and it was credited to him for righteousness. Do you realize that when a person believes in the Savior, 
God gives them righteousness. The same thing for us. Any one of us in this room, if you have believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the moment you believed, God gave to you His righteousness. Romans 4, 5 says, But to him who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. That means any one of you in this room who have believed in Jesus, before God you are completely righteous. That's why one day you'll be able to be in His presence because He's given you His righteousness. So the first thing we find out about this man, he's a believer. He's a righteous man. Look at the second thing. It says he was righteous and devout. Now the word devout means that he feared God. That's The idea there was that there was a, an awe. When he taught about God, he didn't say things like the big man upstairs. See, if you, you're in awe of God, you're not going to say that. You're going to say the living God. You're going to say, our God is an awesome God. And what he, he, he saw the character of God and he worshiped God. There was a third thing that we find out about this man and that he was looking for the consolation of Israel. Look at the verse. It says, and he was looking for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? The word consolation means peace and comfort. He was looking for the one who would bring peace and comfort to Israel. Now, that's the Messiah. He was looking forward to the Messiah to come. Isaiah 40 says, comfort, oh, comfort my people. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. The only way any of us can have peace from God is through Jesus Christ. He's the one who brings the consolation. And that's what this man was waiting for. He was waiting for the coming of the Savior. Now, Jesus already came the first time. We're not waiting for the coming of the Savior to come the first time He already came. He came and died on the cross. What we're waiting for is what the Bible calls the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. See, the next event will be Jesus coming in the clouds to take us off the face of the earth. Sometimes it's called the rapture. It's found in 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 Corinthians 15, and numerous other places. It could happen any second. Are you waiting for the return of your Savior in the clouds? That's what the, This guy was waiting for the first coming of Christ. We're waiting for the coming of Christ. Christ in the clouds. It's called the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. The only way you can have peace. Because he was waiting for the one who would bring peace. And there are people today, they're looking for peace. They're saying, you know, if I could get enough money and possessions and security, I can have peace. Now, the only way you'll have peace is through Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 1, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, he's righteous devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. Look at number four, uh, D here, Holy Spirit was upon him. Notice at the end of the verse 25, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. That means he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now I want you to understand something. In the New Testament, after Jesus died on the cross, paid for sin, and rose again, and the church age started, every believer, when you believe in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. What, do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? So that's true for every one of us in this room who know Christ. But in the Old Testament, it wasn't that way. Some people had the Holy Spirit coming to indwell inside of them. Most did not. Sometimes the Holy Spirit would come for special things, to do special things. This man, Simeon, had the Holy Spirit upon him. That means he had the Holy Spirit inside of him. Now why? Because God's going to use him to do something special. Wow. 
that takes us to number five or E on this one. It was revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Christ. Look at verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now the Christ is the Messiah. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that you will not die physically until you actually see the Christ. Let me tell you, he's an old man. He's probably saying, you know, I'm an old man, but I'm not dying. I know I'm not going to die until at least I see the Messiah. Then after that I can die. Because there was a promise by the Holy Spirit to him that he would see the Messiah. You know, he's old. He's figuring, you know, it's got to be pretty soon. Because I'm going to, I mean, look how old I am. It's got to be pretty soon. So he's an incredible man that he was righteous and devout, filled with the Holy Spirit, looking for the coming of the Messiah. And it had been told to him he would not die until he saw the Savior. Well, watch what happens. Verse 27. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms. Now, I want you to know that day when Simeon woke up, the Holy Spirit who was indwelling him told him somehow, you got, today's the day, you've got to go to the temple. I've got to go to the temple today. Today, you're going to the temple. Okay, I'm going. I'm going. And when he came into the temple, he had to know something is happening today. And all of a sudden, notice what it says. He came in the Spirit, being controlled by the Holy Spirit, into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, they're bringing in Jesus. What for? Take him up there, offer the sacrifice, pay the money, get their baby back. That's the plan. When they brought Jesus in, the Holy Spirit said, there he is. There's the Messiah. And he goes over and says, excuse me, can I have this baby? Excuse me, thank you. you may, oh, well, where are you going my baby? I, I've got to hold the baby. And he blessed God when he held the baby. Notice what it says. And he came in the spirit of the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom law, he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, he took him into his arms. Can you imagine? You're married. Now think about it. You've already had some incredible things happen to you. Angel came to you. You've already been, you were a virgin and you've had a son. The son is the savior of the world. Their angels uh, told shepherds. Shepherds told you, your husband. I mean, it's the wildest life you've ever had. And suddenly, you're offering your baby up. And this man comes up to you and says, excuse me, I need to hold the baby. <clears throat> and he takes the baby and he speaks to God. What does he say? What does Simeon say about Jesus? Notice what he says. And the Lord, now, he says, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, he begins by saying something about himself. He says, Now I can die. Notice, your bondservant, you're now releasing your bondservant to depart in peace. Depart where? To die. He's saying, now I can die. I have seen the Messiah. You promised me that I would live until I saw the Messiah. I'm now seeing the Messiah, so I know it's pretty much over for me. You know, that's what he's saying. I know I can depart. I can go. I have seen, he says, according to your word. 
Now, there's two things I want you to see that stand out for me. When you look at this, notice how he describes God and how he describes himself. He says, now Lord. And that Greek word for Lord means the master. It means the ruler. It means deity. He looks at God as as his master. And what does he call himself? You are releasing your bond servant. He sees himself as a slave to God. He says, you are the master, and I am the slave, and now I can die. My life is over. My work that you had for me to do is finished, and I can die. We need to look at it this way. We need to recognize that God is our master. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. Therefore, glorify God in our bodies. We belong to him. We should look at our lives and say, we are servants of Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important that we say, I beseech you, Romans 12, I beseech you, brother, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices. That's why it's so important that we recognize that Jesus Christ has made us, bought us, He's redeemed us, we belong to Him, we need to serve Him. And you know what's going to happen one day? One day, when God is through using you for the purposes that He has, He's going to bring you to Himself. Just like Simeon is ready, He says, Now I can die. I have seen what you promised. One of these days in your lives, when God is through using you for His glory, He's going to bring you to Himself. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And you're going to be glad. You're going to say, I want to be with my Savior. And you can say, Thank you, Lord. For using me for your glory. Now, the only way that's going to happen is you say right now, Lord, use me for your glory. Take my life and use me. So that when it's all over, you can say, thank you, Lord, for using me. Now, what does he say? Look at verse 30. He says, from my eyes have seen your salvation. You know what he's saying? He's saying this baby in my arms is the Savior. I'm seeing the Savior of the world. And I want you to understand something. Salvation is in a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. Salvation is not in an activity. It's not in a church. It's not in a, in a work that you do. It's not in, in anything you do. Salvation is in a person. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, There's no other name under heaven among men whereby we might be saved except the name Jesus. It's in the person of Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. You understand salvation is not in what you do. It's in who you trust. Jesus is the Savior. You are not the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. And so it's very powerful. He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And then how he describes Jesus. Notice what he says, verse 31, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Two things. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. He describes Jesus as saying he's the light to the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. Now the word Gentiles means the nations and Jesus is the light of the world. He came into this world in a dark and fallen world with the light. That's why in John chapter 1 verse 4 says he is the light of men. In John chapter 1 verse 9 he's the true light that comes into the world. He is the light that shines in the darkness. He is the light of the world. But there's more than that. He's the glory of Israel. See, for Israel, their glory is their Messiah. Jesus is the glorious one of the nation of Israel. Now, what is so strange to me, that the one that is for the glory of Israel is the one that Israel as a whole rejected. They rejected him, their glory. 
See, because Israel can say, we, uh, we got the Messiah. It's true. One day, in the tribulation time period, there will be 144,000 Jews trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. That's Revelation chapter 7. The word will spread throughout the world, and the nation of Israel as a whole will believe in the Messiah, Jesus Christ. They will call upon the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ will come out of heaven and defeat the enemy and set up his kingdom. Then Israel will see their glory, the glory of their Messiah. He is called the light of the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. That's who he is. Now, notice, they were amazed. His mother and his father, or his father and his mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. There's one more thing I want you to see. What does Simeon say to Mary? Notice carefully. And Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. He starts off by saying, this baby, this child will be appointed for the fall and rise of many. All those who reject him, they fall. All those who believe in him, they are raised up. No doubt about that. And he will be a sign to be opposed. Let me tell you this. The religious leaders, every time they saw him and every time he did his miracles, every time he did his signs, they opposed him. We'll get a little further over in the book of Luke and we're going to see that the religious leaders made it a point to go opposite Jesus. They tried to do everything they could to stop him. But here's the sad one. Look at this one. Verse 35. And a sword will pierce even your own soul. To the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. A sword will pierce your own soul. Do you know what he says to Mary? You're going to have great sorrow. And she did. Now you think about it. How would you be if all of your life, most of the people around you thought you thought that you had had illicit sex before you were married, that the baby that you had and the child that you raised was illegitimate, and under Israel, you could have been stoned and put to death. You would be an outcast. And how would you feel if you spent your life trying to tell people that your son was the Messiah and Savior, and as a whole, they rejected it? And how would you feel... If you were at the foot of the cross and you saw your son being put to death, it would pierce your soul. That's what happened to her. He warned her. He told her, you're going to have great sorrow. She did. He ends it by saying, to the end, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And it's true that you can tell what people believe by how they deal with Jesus Christ. Do they believe in him or do they reject him? Well, we've seen a lot of things in this passage this morning. Mary brings Jesus to the temple first for eight days and then 40 days. Her purification to present him to God. Simeon, this devout man, comes and, and he's a believer and he's waiting for the Messiah and he knows he's not going to die until he sees the Savior and he sees the Savior and he calls him the light to the Gentiles and the glory of the nation of Israel. And then he tells Mary, you're going to have some hard days. What can we apply from this? First of all, realize that salvation is in a person, and that's Jesus Christ. Salvation is not in your actions or rituals or goodness or church or baptism or making a public profession. It is in Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. He is the glory of Israel. He is the Savior. There is no other name given under heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the satisfactory payment, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. He bore in his body our sins when he was on the cross. He died the just for the unjust to bring us to God. Verse after verse after verse, he is the Savior. Salvation is in a person. It's not in your actions, your goodness, or your righteousness. 
righteousness. See, religion is people trying to do something to get to God. True salvation is faith in the person of Jesus Christ who died for you, paid for your sins, and rose again. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, It is by grace we are saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works lest anybody could ever boast. I hope and pray every one of you in this room, if somebody came to you and said, Are you going to heaven? Do you think you'll, will you spend eternity with Jesus? You'd say, Yes. Why? Because I have trusted in Him and Him alone to give me eternal life. It is not my going to church, not my trying to live a good life, not my me doing anything. It is Jesus who is my Savior, not me. And I hope and pray every one of you have trusted Him. Right where you're sitting, you can believe in Him right now. And you can say, Dear Heavenly Father, I trust Jesus and Him alone for salvation. It's in a person. Second, may we declare Jesus Christ, the baby that we see in this passage, as the Savior. Just like Simeon did. He said, I can die. I've seen the Savior. We get to go out into this community and we get to tell people that Jesus Christ is the Savior. We get to do that. We get to announce that. And so we've gathered this morning, study the Bible, to sing, to worship, to have a great time. But we're going to scatter out all over this campus and community. We get to go with the great message. Tell people who Jesus is. He's the Savior. And then last but not least, realize that there are going to be hardships when we stand with Jesus Christ. When you stand for Christ and with Him in this fallen world, there are going to be hardships. Jesus said, if they hated me, they hate you. If they rejected me, they'll reject you. You should expect it. I guarantee you, you go out of here, you go into that campus, you go into this community, and you tell people you believe Jesus is the way of salvation. He's the Son of God. He died and rose again. All who will believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. And He's the only way to be saved. And you will be persecuted. There will be people who will make fun of you. There will be people who will be against you. Because you stand for Jesus Christ. Get ready. Go ahead and stand. Expect it. And say, I'm going to live for my Savior. I don't care what the world thinks. Because the world's wrong. And in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, you tell people that they too can have eternal life by faith in Christ. May we stand for Jesus, proclaiming salvation in the person of Jesus Christ, the one born in Bethlehem, the Savior of the world, who is the light to the Gentiles, the glory of Israel, and the one who gives eternal life by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you for helping us to see it. Lord, we realize that salvation is in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father except through Him. And it's simply by grace through faith. Lord, would you use us? Use us to tell people in this community about Christ. May we declare it. Lord, we know it's, it's going to be Thanksgiving, and before we know it, it'll be Christmas, and, and everybody will be talking about Christmas, but may this year we tell them the truth, that the baby born in Bethlehem is the Savior of the world. And their Savior. Lord, we realize when we stand for Christ, there are going to be sometimes hardship. There will be people who will be against us because we stand for the truth. Lord, I, I ask you that you would encourage each one in this room that we would live for you. And that we would stand for the truth. And that we'd make known clearly that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Use us, Lord, for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.